I was losing a grasp on something that was too violent to keep inside forever. As I'm sitting there with a severed head in my hand, talking to it, or looking at it, and I'm about to go crazy, literally. I'm about to go completely flywheel loose and just fall apart. I say, wow, this is insane. And then I told myself, no, it isn't. You're saying that, and that makes it not insane. I said, I'm sane, and I'm looking at a severed... I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see old paintings and drawings of Viking heroes talking to severed heads and taking them to parties, old enemies and leather bags, part of our heritage. This is me back then in 1972 and 73, unable to live with the fact that I just stabbed to death and cut the throat of an innocent young woman. Innocent in the sense that she did not plan on that happening. She didn't do anything specifically for that to happen to her. Yet she was a very active participant in her own death. And in my memory of that, she was 19 years old, and her roommate in the trunk who died right after that was 18. I didn't go hog wild and totally limp. What I'm saying is I found myself doing things in an attempt to make things fit together inside. I was doing sexual probings and things. I mean, in the sense of striking out and reaching out and grabbing and pulling to me, but appalled at the sense that it wasn't working. That isn't the way it's supposed to be. It isn't the way I want it. See what I'm saying? And yet I get, during that time, I become engaged to someone who's young and is beautiful and very much the same advantages and very much the same upbringing and Disneyland values. And uh, she's very much the reason I surrendered. I picked up two girls who were so much like the first two, it was unbelievable, almost identical circumstances. And I let them go. Everything went towards killing them, and I didn't. But I'm saying, wow, it's uncanny. It was almost like it was meant to be that way. And I said, wow, I've got, this got to stop. And I let them out. They never even knew what was going on. I let them out. I would have gotten away with those two being murdered. I said, no, it's got to stop. And a week later, I murdered my mother. fruit flavors and stuff. Well, why would you? On what beer is there fruit flavors? Uh, a lot of sours and yeah. stouts and whatnot. You ever heard of someplace called Wabasha Brewing Company? They you have know, a beer I with have... jalapeno in it. Well, that's I wasn't not a fruit. A, I was Wait, not a fan. Yes, it is a fruit. Yeah, it's got seeds, huh? Is that what qualifies a I don't fruit? Know. I'm not sure. I, I heard know. that about tomatoes back I, in the day. I thought I heard peppers are technically fruits. Are they? Well, maybe they're a little light in the loafers, but let's not call them stuff that's mean, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, you still say light in the loafers? I don't even know what that means. Gay? Oh, does it? Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it's probably not appropriate. I don't think it's okay. But I don't I, think it's I don't, okay. I don't know. I've never even heard that expression before. How? So. Are you, have you been living under a light? I mean, it feels like a mild slur. It definitely is. It's yeah. one of those that's supposed to be, like, cute. Light like, in toots. the loafers. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Like, 
I'm still going back and listening to old AFEs, and they had one where Ian brought up uh, an old, like, mild-flavored slur for Jewish people is heeb. Yeah. And he's like, I, I'm not mad, but it's don't say it. It's like WAP for for Italians. No, Italians get real no. mad about that. No, yeah. we, we covered Ponzi, and he was referring to himself and his cohorts. I know, my mom's ex-boyfriend is Italian. Yeah, he's... Heritage, got, he's and, like, he got pissed. Well, one. he's one of them. I call him stinky Dago-eating lobsters all the time. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a bit much. Don't say that. <laughs> they love it. They love Dagos. Just, just beep this entire conversation out. Just like a three-minute-long I'm never sure on the Italian uh, racial slurs or not. They're fine. They call each other them, so they're I don't fine. know. They're fine. Trust me, they're, it, they're all right. I feel like the ultimate insult now is, like, if you compare them to, like, the Jersey Shore kids. The oh, then, Yes, like, those. that's, like, the worst stereotype you, yeah. can, you can call them right now. Yeah. And that's weird, because they're all middle-aged now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really weird. They age so fast. Yeah, if you watch their, like, Jersey Shore reunion... And they're in Las Vegas, and they, like, none of, like, the show tries to make it seem like they're still living like that. Right. But they're not, because they're all, like, mature adults. Right. So, like, it'll it'll create, like, a segment, and it's edited to look like drama's about to happen, and then nothing happens, because yeah. that's not how they act anyway. Right. Except for Paul A.D. He's, he needs to grow up a little bit, I think. Paul A.D.? Yeah. Yeah, he's still got that goofy haircut. He's well, a- well, that, and, like, he's a dj and like he i don't know he man he was pretty <clears throat> he was pretty rough on eric andre i just rewatched all of the eric andres again okay what do you mean rough like <coughs> cringy or like yeah cringy like didn't really know how to how to go along with it okay all right but you know to what? be fair how would you know how to go along with it that's an absurd how, how would you hold up on air, uh, just because I know the bit, I think I would probably be cringy. Yeah. I would be like trying to go along with it, but also still like, how far can, how far are you going to take this? How far will adults swim? Let us. Yeah. Mm. See now, I I need to ask a question about the Italian slurs. Mm. Okay. Like, when I go to like you know the Fireside Lounge down the street, if it ever reopens, yes. yeah. Like, if it's not a Friday night, my favorite thing to get there is the hot Dago and spaghetti. Yeah. Like, should I feel bad saying hot Dago? That's the thing. That's the thing. I don't know. If it's there's... written on the menu, what is there to Yeah, feel bad I know, about? but it just still feels a little wrong to where's, order it. Where's the place in Minneapolis where Casey would go? Oh, in Northeast, Dusty's Dagos. Dusty's Dagos. <laughs> it's like two bar stools and a shitty table, and that's mm. what's in there. Yeah, yeah. but those... Those dagos are delicious. Solid dagos? Oh, yeah. yeah. Him and Polly the Wop used to go there all the time. By the way... Hey, speaking of Wops, oh. Polly the Wop. That's what that's what I used oh, to call him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder what happened to him. He's all right. He's, he's married. Oh, he's married? Yeah. To oh. that one girl? They no. still are? I think so. Well, we should text Casey and get on it. I mean, nobody's heard from Casey. No, years. we. I mean, we. Does should... Does he still have the same number? I don't know. We should seriously check on him. I think so. I. We should seriously... Check on him, especially with worried. this pandemic. Let's, yeah, that's his. He's, he's probably fear. like he probably turned his house into a bubble, <laughs> and he just has he's you Jake know like Gyllenhaal the, the misters for like vegetables at the grocery store. Right. He probably set a bunch of those up with hand sanitizer. Right. Well, he was using hand sanitizer when there was no pandemic. Yes, he simply had, yeah. from getting change at like McDonald's. He had forty bottles in his car at all times. <sighs> um, <sighs> you know what else I was thinking about though? Hmm. Speaking of. Uh, 
I think he's having a seizure right now. He's it's, stroking out. It's people. actually. It's a, <laughs> oh yeah, you know what I was thinking of talking about, Casey. What I was thinking about is mm. that I was also talking to like Holly from Murd Up mm. and being like, "Let's uh, I like it. This pandemic is making me talk to the people that I should be talking to, <laughs> right? Instead of the people that uh, that I'm forced to talk to on a daily basis. The 14 year olds on 2K. That's right. Who right. <laughs> we'll call you the N-word? Coming into my apartment on 2K and screaming at me. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast. This is uh, epi- <laughs> part three. The only podcast on the internet that uploads <laughs> weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me, as ever, is General Longstreet Jordan. Hello. Oh. Hello. hello. I finally got the first one. I've been watching Gettysburg, so you're both going to be generals <laughs> to me. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Congratulations, Longstreet. You've done it. Unfortunately, you're going to get shot by a sniper. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not good. They had snipers in the Civil War? Of course. Okay. Of course, All my right. friend. I didn't think the guns were too accurate. Well, they had a couple, <laughs> They had some goofy-looking long-barreled guns that would... Uh, throw the ball where you kind of wanted it to go. Is there is there anything more embarrassing than getting your head blown off by a, by a musket? Yeah. Yes, musket You're, sniper. I mean, I'd say that's a pretty badass way to go. <laughs> I don't know. It, I, it is bad. It's like getting <laughs> struck by lightning, I think. Where yeah. it's, it's just as rare. Uh, okay, also sitting across from me, Jordan, how was your week? Oh, my week was good. Finally back to work. Back to school. Feels good. Back to school. Feels good. To prove to Amy you're not a bum. (laughs) Which is a congratulation on finding out you're going to have a son, right? What? We've known that for a while. (laughs) I thought that was a big thing. We gender revealed this bitch a billion years ago. Yeah, that was like two months ago. I just saw it on your your Instagram, or Amy's Instagram, so I thought you were just announcing it. We've literally talked about this on air before. Here's what you saw. You saw a post that said, I can't wait till June so I can meet my little son. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's what you saw. But there was balloons and everything, and it said, it's a boy. Oh, that she posted today? Mm-hmm. That's because it's National Pet Day, and both the animals were in that. Oh, okay. That's an old picture. Okay, well. I see. <laughs> that's my whoops. Yeah, they both were behaving see, and looking at the camera. In my mind, I thought having a boy was like what you desired. I didn't mm. know if you No, actually... that's what we wanted. Okay. We All wanted right. a boy. Yeah, All everyone right. wants a boy. I think oh. a little girl fox might do you well, Jordan. Well, that's going to be Coming hopefully next. the next one. Part two. Yeah, okay. It's also be a sitting girl. across And then me. third one, you know, we'll just take whatever. <laughs> General okay. Buford Cody, hello. Buford, I that's love that right. name. You are in, you are a cavalry general. You will hold the line <laughs> until the rest of the Union can get themselves around little and big top. So I'm for sure dying of gangrene. Ooh, Buford did well. <laughs> Buford held the line. His boys, they were unmounted cavalrymen, and they held the Confederates off. Mm. The Army of the Northern Virginia, they held them right off <laughs> until uh, Reynolds and his boys were able to get there. Fucking Reynolds. Yeah. He went on to make a, a, a aluminum foil factory. A great you know wrap. Yeah, a fantastic <laughs> wrap. You want to cook some potatoes on the grill, you mm. put them in there with a bunch of butter. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I, or, we got to have the Reynolds. Or a banana, some marshmallows, mm. and some chocolate chips. Mm. Or you core an apple, leave oh it whole. Okay, you're making it too complicated. Put now. it on there, 
Then what you do is you put some brown sugar, some butter, some brown sugar, some butter, some brown sugar, some butter, and some brown sugar in that emptied core. Wrap mm. it up and throw it on there. Mm. Guess what? You got a caramel with applesauce. Mm. Mm. You got mm. you got type you, two an diabetes. Apple with caramel is sauce what is what I right meant there. to say. I've got no toe left. <laughs> uh, all right, that's great, Cody. You're doing good. Hell yeah. Well, we got great. fucking. We're nine and a half in. So how about we jump? Let's in do it. Two. Kemper three. Kemper three. Kemper three. Kemper three. <laughs> Let's wrap this three. bitch. Kemper oh, three. Kemper yeah, three. The the this will be by far the longest episode and probably the most brutal episode. Um. Yeah. We were we're basically just picking off right where we left off last week when he had just murdered Marianne and Anita, and as we know. He's got quite a few uh, more to go through here. Yeah, and he wasn't very nice about these ones. No, he was not. Uh, now, I want, I want your guys' opinion on this. Uh, Ed claimed, in his mind, these first two murders he considered very effective. Now, do you guys remember uh, how he murdered them exactly, right? With a knife. knife. <laughs> struggling to kill them with a knife. Stabbed it, one very, of them through the... F- Eyeball. Yeah, yeah, eyeball, arm. He didn't kill him right away. For some reason, he told everybody this was an, uh, quote, effective kill. He said this was effective. Yes, I, mean, I don't know It might know have how. been very effective for his sexual desires, but... <laughs> I don't know. And he, in any other way, pro- I'm going to say no. I mean, they were effective. He set out to kill two girls, and he killed two girls. I mean... It was effective, but sloppy. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I don't know. That seems like a very horrible way to die, like slowly being stabbed to death. Yeah. But anyway, now, along with claiming that these were very effective murders, Ed also claimed that these two girls, particularly Mary Ann, who is the girl who is talking to, to him in the front seat, trying to calm him down, struck something very deep down inside of him. He tried to say that one of the reasons he continued to kill was uh, because he was trying to fit, forget about the gruesomeness of these first two murders. Hmm. But in my mind, that kind of sounds like typical Ed bullshit. Yeah, the mysticism, the 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 legend building. He's he, trying to pave a road over he, it. He basically, if you can imagine, he's saying that. These haunted him. Yeah. I the need to do a cleaner these, so that yes. way I can forget about these dirty, gross ones. Yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, as we'll find out, he, he's a bullshitter. He's a romantic. In <laughs> yes, that, he is. Not like a lover way, but he is a romantic. <laughs> when I... Like that first clip from last week that I posted, in the very beginning, he's like, I never had a girlfriend before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, when you're watching him say that, you kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. But then you're like, well, you killed and fucked heads well, like i don't know dude come he's on. the biggest black pill there is, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. He is. He's, he's an incel piece <laughs> of junk now the time gap between most of his murders were about three to four months mm. we don't know exactly what his trigger was but it was most likely because of an incident with his mother and as we will find out after a particularly bad fight with her ed would get in his car and begin searching for a hitchhiker. So, it was around 7 p.m. on September 14th, 1972, and Ed was cruising down University Avenue in Berkeley. Is every single city in the United States have a University Avenue? Absolutely. Is it, like, required? 
I, I think so. <laughs> I be, I would bet money. That maybe a maybe, vast majority of them do. Maybe in the deep south where universities are illegal, <laughs> they don't have one. Which is just like uh, community college avenue yeah, Juco, everywhere. Juco Street. <laughs> Juco Street. <laughs> Tech School Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> now while cruising, he spotted this Oriental girl <laughs> holding up a piece of paper with. San Francisco written in red pen. So Ed decided to circle around the block and pull up right next to her, telling her, sure, I can take you to San Francisco. Now, this young lady looked like your normal co-ed hitchhiker, but it was actually 15-year-old Aiko Koo. High schooler. (laughs) Is that Yeah, that's high school. I was like, is this even high school yet? That's sophomore year. Now, Aiko had been attending dance classes in Berkeley because her dream was to become a professional dancer. Well, they have a hell of an arts program at Berkeley. Do they? Oh, my Still. gosh. Okay, yeah, of like ballerina oh, shit yeah. and all that. Music, dance, they have a great arts program. I wonder if she had watched Suspiria yet at this point. Ooh. <laughs> had th- was that out? Ah, God, that had to be like night. Maybe it was late 70s. I don't know. Okay, well, Good. 72, that's where we are. The best ballerina movie around, I'll tell you that. Even better than Black Swan? <laughs> I haven't watched that yet, but I've heard it's good. Is it good? I've never seen it. Really? I've I know her legs good. break backwards. I've seen that scene. I don't, I don't I don't. like that stuff. She turns, yeah. like, into a swan or something. I've like. seen it, and I don't remember, <laughs> yeah. like, anything. Now, Iko had just been invited to attend an advanced class in San Francisco. It would need it to take the bus to get there now we know she had been sitting at this particular corner waiting for the bus for quite a while but it still hadn't showed up yet so either figuring she was going to be late or for another reason she decided why not hitchhike it's a bad call it especially for a young girl take the bus yeah it's apparently it was running late i don't know i guess buses run late and they stink ugh which, from what I could tell in the book, is something that she would never normally do, right. meaning hitchhike. Yeah. And so Ed just happened to pull up off a ride, and she got right in. Hey, she hey. wanted to get to that damn class. So then the two of them uh, proceeded to head off, and of course Ed had no intention of taking her to San Francisco. <laughs> he said, After blowing her off-ramp and making it sound like an accident, I said, Whoops. And she said, Whoops. I think it was slightly cutting. <laughs> Are they both from the Midwest here? What's going on here? I think so. (laughs) Whoops. Whoopsies. (laughs) Whoop. Now, obviously, we know that Ed was planning on taking her to a desolate area, and it didn't take Ico too long to figure out uh, he wasn't headed to San Francisco and just exactly what was going on. Ico was pleading with him not to kill her, and so Ed proceeded to pull out his 357 Magnum 6-inch Trooper. I, apparently, that's the gun's name. I don't know. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, I haven't, but uh, that sounds like a big old gun. <laughs> I know a 357 is a big old gun. Yeah, it's yeah. a big boy. Uh, now, this gun, he had borrowed from a friend he used to work with, and then he took it, pressed it into her side. Mm. Now, hey, can I go ahead and borrow your gun real quick? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Here you go. What? Why would you do that? I see. Like... What do you think that guy feels like after he found out Ed borrowed his gun to kill somebody? He used to work with. Yeah. Like, like, what? How do you, like, text your friend and be like, hey, can I borrow your 357 for the night, please? I I got laid off. I wouldn't text Wally and be like, let me borrow your AK. (laughs) Now, Ed told her he was merely depressed 
and just wanted to talk to her, but it needed to be at his mother's house. Hmm. Ed demanded that she get into the trunk, apparently so no one saw her when they were going to his mother ho- mother's house, but Iko said, I'll just get into the back seat and hide instead. Then Ed drove into the mountains on Bonnie Dune, or Dun Dune Road, one of the two. <laughs> Bonnie Dune Bonnie Road. Bonnie Dune Dune Road. <laughs> Why did a southern man Cody name is Maroney? now stro- stroking out, too. Hey, well, it's contagious. <laughs> uh, turning off on Smith Grade Road and drove until the car was screened by trees from approaching traffic. He remembered a sign here that read, protected by globe agency Hmm. don't know what that is sounds Hmm. like some shady government shit yes it certainly does (laughs) sound like a a conspiracy group this sounds like a corporation that either spider-man or superman would be fighting against could be wrong gotta fight the globe agency (laughs) even though it was indeed protected by globe agency unfortunately nobody was around for what was about to transpire next Ed informed Iko that he was going to need to tape her mouth shut and tie her arms up. So he placed a piece of medical tape over her mouth. Ed then laid his enormous body on top of her and then stuffed his thumb and index finger into her nostrils in an attempt to try to suffocate her. But, okay. 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 So you kind of picture what he's doing. Yeah. He's trying to, like, squish her out. Well, her mouth's taped. He's trying to plug it like that, yeah. so not... It's, and he's scary. laying on her to, like, yeah. try and push the arrow. She's a tiny little girl, and yeah. he's a fucking monster, yeah. so... But Aiko's arms were still free at this point, so she began to fight back, and ended up grabbing and squeezing Ed's testicles. Mm. Great tactic mm. for self-defense yes. there. Even though Aiko had Ed's balls in her hand, Ed was trying to put a cord around her wrist still while still having his fingers blocking her breathing passages. Eventually, Iko succumbed to the lack of oxygen and lost consciousness. Mm. But after a short while, she woke up and they started to tussle again until losing consciousness for a second time. But Iko was not dead at this point. Ed pulled her out of the car and proceeded to rape the poor girl. Mm. After this, Ed took her scarf while she was still unconscious and finished strangling her. Now, this is something that's completely different, but they they called her scarf something different, like a uh, curtain or something like that. Hmm? Like, it was the weirdest way to describe a scarf. I don't... Do you know, Jordan? <laughs> a neck curtain? I, it was something like that. I was like, what? A kerchief? It, it was like, they had a weird name for it. I should have put it in here, and I had to Google it. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I'm like, oh, it's like a type of scarf. Okay. I don't know why they didn't call it a scarf. It wasn't a sarape. Was, was it, it a pashmina afghan? Ooh, no, a- I know what an Afghan is. I, I they called it something really weird. Was it know. an ascot? <laughs> no, isn't that what uh, Philip Rivers wears? No, he wears bolos. <laughs> Could you be killed with a bolo tie? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Would I've you... got a bolo tie. Oh shit! Okay, One of the ones with, that's made out of whatever they're made out of. What uh, are they made out of? Probably like, like cow right? leather. Mm. Okay, all right. So if we have a bolo tie strangler, we'll we'll keep a lookout for Jordan yeah, here. It's Jordan. <laughs> After this, he wrapped her in his blue blanket and placed her her body into the trunk. Now again, this time for another part of the story that was not quoted by Ed during his first initial confessions, but later on claimed that before the murder of Iko Ku, 
Ed had accidentally locked himself out of his car Jesus. with Aikoku still inside with the gun, but somehow managed to convince her to unlock the door and let him back in. Now, no! Do, yeah, do I'm you gonna, guys remember I'm gonna give that? a hard no on that. Do you guys remember hearing that part of the story? Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So, and last time he thought he lost his goddamn keys y- too? Right. Like, this is... If you watch, I think it's like the 84 or 85 documentary with him. I'll mention it at the very end here. But he says, this happened. He's like, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it actually He's happened. He's too dumb to convince her to let him in. I feel like Aiko, if she knew to grab his balls to try to fight him off, she would be smart enough not to open the door. Or yeah, pull that's the what trigger. I feel like. Pull yeah. the trigger. Right, so I think he's making this shit up. Mm. I think he is. Mm. Could be wrong here. Either way, after the murder, Ed said he headed to a bar nearby for a few drinks. Ed said he did this. To check up to see how apparent my whatever it was, grief, excitement, exultation, anxiety, whatever, was showing. I wanted to test on these people (laughs) in the bar and correct it before I went any further. Besides, I was hot, tired, and thirsty. I feel like drunk people in a bar aren't going to notice a weirdo coming through the door. Nah. Could be wrong there, nah. but I, I feel like they, they just want their Paps Blue Ribbon, play darts. They don't really care about you big... They're getting their medicine. Yes. They're getting their medicine. They don't care about you. <laughs> Unless you're buying me a drink, shut up. Yep, and even then, then they'll just like you forever. <laughs> yeah. Before entering the bar, Ed opened up the trunk just to check on Iko's body, perhaps to gaze at his work. Now, in the bar, he had about two to three beers, washed his hands uh, in the bathroom, and finally decided to take off. Of course, not before opening the trunk for a second time, Ed said. To be satisfied that she was dead. I suppose I was standing there looking. I was doing one of those triumphant things, too. Admiring my work and admiring her beauty. And I might say, admiring my catch like a fisherman. I closed the lid, got back into the car, drove to Santa Cruz, out to Aptos, where I stopped at my mother's home, and went inside the house. Now, uh, for all we've learned on Serial Killers about the show, very common to enjoy your what you've just done or whatever. Definitely. So, mm-hmm. To look look at your like fresh yeah, your work. trophy, yeah. yeah. He does mention, uh, especially with the decapitations, that in his mind, it was like a hunter putting an animal's head yeah. on its walls. Like Ugh. that sort of enjoyment. So, He proceeded to talk with his mother for about a half an hour before finally leaving. Before departing from his mother's house, he now, for a third time, Jesus. opened the trunk to admire what he had done. Mm. Once he was back at his apartment, he carried Aiko's body upstairs to his room. And now this is the first time he brings up difficulty in carrying her. This is, uh, uh, it's kind of like a little kid when he's, like, so proud of yeah, yeah. He's a dumb little accomplishment and he just has to keep looking at it and showing it to people. Obviously, mm-hmm. he can't show it to anybody. I, I, Look at this rock I found. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm pretty sure it's a sexual thrill. Yeah. I'm almost positive yeah. it is. Now, um, the reason he said it was difficult was because he still had the cast on his left arm from the motorcycle Cody, you pointed accident. at your right arm. Well, <laughs> I'm pointing at an arm with the cast on it, okay? So, so keep in mind, from the first two murders, apparently he had to have had the fucking cast on, right? Right. I don't know if 
healthcare was kind or like medicine wasn't that good in the seventies where you wore a cast for a broken arm for like six months. I don't yeah, know. I don't what know. Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Just keep it on. Let's make sure it's set. I don't know. At least it's not like Gettysburg where they just hack the bastard <laughs> off. <laughs> that might have been a better thing if they just cut his arms off. He couldn't have done this shit. Yeah, then. that would be better for society. <laughs> now, uh, at this point, during his confession to the police, Ed joked that his lawyer was probably going to drop the $100,000 class action lawsuit from the motorcycle accident for carrying a body with oh, his broken arm. God. You think? <laughs> God. I think the judge is going to throw that one out. Either way, Ed then did what he had done before with dissecting the body, removing the head's hand, and keeping the torso intact. And I can only assume he would have, have performed necrophilic acts on the body. Sure. Now, literally two Days after the murder of Iko and dismembering of her, uh, her body, he still had Iko's head in his trunk Ugh. when he went to his mandatory psychiatric examinations and court hearing in Fresno, which obviously he breezed through the exam with flying colors. And I bet he had the biggest boner of all time oh, knowing that he had that know head in the he trunk. Did. Yeah. You'd fucking know I thought he was going to give her some head for doing so good. Oh, oh God. Uh, it's just weird to think of somebody <laughs> going to a, psych- a psychiatrist's office for an exam while they have a dead body in their yeah. car. Court-ordered psychiatric exam. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. As we're going to learn uh, when he got released from... Uh, the state hospital, they didn't really keep very good eye on him. Well, they just released him. They said <laughs> yeah. they gave the state very clear instructions. Keep him away from his mother. Right. And that didn't happen. No, it did not. Well, the problem is there's too many heads to the system of release. I see and what not you did all there. of <laughs> What, this? Heads. Oh. Kemper. Okay, well, that wasn't meant to be <laughs> that, but a pun, I guess. <laughs> But there's too many heads, and none of them are keeping an eye on him after he gets out of the hospital. Exactly. Yeah. I think that shit still happens. Oh, right? yeah. They just push push responsibility until you nobody em, has it. You take them. Yeah. yeah. Afterwards, he would dispose of her head and hands by throwing them down into a ravine and bury her body in a shallow grave in the Santa Cruz Mountains. As a weird coincidence, another serial killer was murdering around the same area of California and the same time as Zed. In fact, the other serial killer's victim's body would be found very close to where Ed had buried Aiko Koo. Now, this serial killer was named Herbert Mullins. You remember him? I do. And as another weird coincidence, as we'll get into later on, they were jailed right next to each other. <laughs> so, like they were housed right next to each other? Yes. We'll, we'll talk about them two dipshits Holy later. Holy shit. But yeah. And they were both dumping in the same right. grounds? Um, I didn't want to go too far into Herbert in case we do him later, but uh-huh. he killed, I think, 13 people in like three weeks. So, Holy fuck. Yeah, he was... He is was, that a spree uh, killer then? Or no? They consider him a serial killer. Okay. I, I don't know. What is a spree killer? Like, faster than that? I think that's like a whole bunch in like a really, really short time period. I All don't right. know. 13 in three weeks seems like a whole bunch in a yeah, really, really short time period. Usually they say you have to have a cool down period for serial killers. I don't know. It's... 
technically they're all killing multiple victims, right? right? Yeah, it's just, FD, yeah. it's just an FBI clarification thing. Yeah, so. it's all bullshit. It's all words. Yeah. They're trying to put everybody in boxes, man. <laughs> Don't put a label on me, man. <laughs> Chill out, bro. <laughs> now, after the murders of the three women, Ed decided uh, he wanted to get himself a gun. Hell yeah. Sick of borrowing them from all his co-workers. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta get my own, dude. So on January 8th, 1973, he filled out the proper paperwork to purchase uh, the 22 Ruger's automatic pistol. Are you familiar with this mm-hmm. one? Oh, yeah, okay. classic. I was wondering, when I was talking to uh, about Creeper Real and they're covering Eileen Warnos, Certainly. and she was using a 22. I was like, why is it all serial killers seem to use a 22? Quiet. So quiet is it cheap? Cheap and quiet. Okay. Yeah, you get bullets by the bucket. You know, Isn't, I mean? aren't they the tiny ones? Yes. Though? Yeah, it's it, you can still kill with them. Yeah, because don't they ricochet? Now the whatever. interesting thing about the twenty-two Ruger, it mm. has that classic-looking design that looks like a Luger. Okay. All now right. the reason they can't make it in any higher caliber than twenty-two is the design won't allow for it. The gun would rip itself apart if you chambered it any higher. <laughs> so you turn into goddamn uh, Elmer Fudd. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> With the little bent metal coming out of your gun there. So you need more, like, the the sliding mechanism and all that stuff in a modern handgun. Gotcha. Okay. Now, you'd expect that someone who had the murder of his grandparents on his record, they might have uh, stopped his ability to purchase a firearm. Yeah. But when you, you when you gun murder your grandparents, <laughs> yeah. yes, you you are no longer allowed to have one. I think he killed them with a twenty two rifle too, right? That's I think yeah. so. Yes, because yeah. that's what he shot all the birds with, and right. he was scared his grandma was going to go get his forty four, his grandpa's forty four, and <laughs> blow him away. That's a big gun, though. 44. That's a big gun. That's yeah. a big gun. Now, because firstly his records were sealed, they wouldn't really even notice, and secondly, they didn't even check in the first place. Mm. Didn't even bother with any of that. Now, after successfully purchasing uh, this gun, he decided to use it the exact same day to commit another murder. Hey, man, you gotta break in your new toys. (sighs) If I order a new graphics card, I'm putting it in my computer the same day. You boot, okay. Are you putting on ultra settings right away? Certainly. Okay, all right. When you buy, I have never bought a gun. Like, when you buy it, do you usually, like, clean it, oil it, or do you just immediately use it? Well, you you should. You definitely yeah. should, like, get all the packing grease out of there before <laughs> okay. you start shooting. But there's nothing wrong with it. You can go do it right okay. away. That's what I thought. You had to, like, clean it or whatever. Get it ready to be fired or fire a bunch of rounds to make sure it fires properly. We bought a Mosin Nagant once. Mm. Me and, or I, I didn't, but my buddy did who was in the Army. And... We were firing it in the range same day that we bought it from. Really? Yeah, we bought it out of a wood crate, and it was just covered in grease, <laughs> and eventually our hands were just coated in, like, burning packing I feel grease. like that's my favorite gun from the Call of Duty games. Like the where you're, where you're the old ones, not, like, the newer ones. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Can't mm-hmm. you get the old ones for, like, 150 bucks at Fleet Farm? That's that's what we did. Yeah. That's what we did. <laughs> one Bill's, of my buddies has range. one of those, and... They're not the greatest gun on the planet, but they'll they're, they're they'll a put a hole in you. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah they they put a hole in you. They got big bullets, and right? The, yeah, the ammo's expensive because <laughs> it's strange too. Oh, really? Well, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of weapons. Modern weapons are using Mosin rounds. Mm-hmm. What what's the caliber? On I it? can't even remember. Okay, so it's a weird one. Now it was still 
January 8th, 1973, and Ed said he was driving around the UCSC campus around 5 p.m., and at this point, he had picked up three different girls, but in his mind, none of them would work because just too many people had witnessed him picking them up. They don't even know how lucky they got. Oh, yes. But according to Ed, the weather conditions were perfect because it was drizzling, which would cause the windows to fog up and add to the fact that people didn't want to get wet. Most of the time, they would just jump right in the car. Thank you for stopping. Let me tell you about license plates. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think uh, in the 70s they even paid attention. They still had paper... Paper driver's license, That's for Christ's insane. sake. Yeah. yeah, true. So, come on. let us They're not paying attention to the license plates here. Now, because of, of the string of murders happening around this area, mostly because of Ed Kemper, uh, Herbert Mullins, and the Ding Dong Avon Killer, which was a ma- mass murderer. I thought that was a mm. cool name, huh? Mm. <laughs> the Ding Dong Avon Calling Killer. I don't know if it's racist, but I'm pretty sure it was an Asian guy. Ding dong. So I'm just letting you know. I figured it won't. We won't go into him either. Maybe we'll talk about him one day. Shit, man. <laughs> putting ideas in my head. Uh, the police and campus security were telling people, mostly college girls, <clears throat> if you must be out at night, walk in pairs. Do not hitch a ride, <laughs> please. If you must hitch a ride, do it with a friend, but not alone. Trying to choose cars with university parking decals, a. B, C, or R. Why didn't they go with D? I, don't I was know. just going to ask. What, like, what's R? D through whatever comes before R. What, what is R? I wonder. I don't know which one Ed had. I wonder what R meant. Maybe that was like a... I don't know. What the hell is R? I don't know. It's weird. Anyway. And, wouldn't you believe it? Clarnell had just so happened to give Ed one of these exact stickers. Uh, The reasoning was because Ed wanted to go to the library within the college and didn't want to have to pay for parking. Gotcha. So he could park right on campus. (laughs) Gotcha. This motherfucker is not going to the library. (laughs) Which uh, would give ladies the false impression that Ed could be considered trustworthy. Whether or not the sticker was why 18-year-old Synthony... Synthony. Synthony. <laughs> what is Cynthia? What? Cynthia. Why can't I say it? Okay. <laughs> Cynthia and Cindy Shaw decided to get in his car. Or not we don't know. Okay, so it was probably the sticker. It probably. was yeah. most likely. Yeah. He's a student. He he belongs here. He she, can be trusted. She was basically just exiting her night class. Decided to hitch a ride. Mm-hmm. That's how. Why she I got wonder it. if Ed had the R sticker. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. Are for rapists. (laughs) I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, But he probably had like a B or a C because of faculty, friends, and family maybe or something. Oh. I don't know. I'm sure they have a weird classification. I have no fucking idea. Now that Cindy was in the car with Ed, it appears that she was uh, asking for a ride to work. Makes sense. But instead... Ed drove to the little town of Freedom near Watsonville and then headed up into the hills. Ed said this. I was playing a little game of not blowing it, you know. Somebody's going to talk with me or, you know, that's it by God. So I said, you know, I convinced her that I don't like guns and all that. It was just bull. That I wasn't going to use it. And I just nonchalantly tucked it away under my leg there. 
and didn't refer to it again until later. Now and then I picked it up and played around with it, but did everything but hand it to her, to calm her down. Several times she asked me not to kill her, and it got to the point later on it was very nonchalant, lying through my teeth. <sighs> you know this motherfucker thinks he is the cleverest son of a bitch <sighs> oh, yeah. right now. I don't like guns. Whoa, <sighs> where did this come from? <sighs> Fuck you. So, when they reached the desolate location, he told Cindy he needed her to get into the trunk, but... He was just using the exact same excuse he had used on Aikoku. Mm. He just wanted to uh, take her to his mother's house to talk, mm. but he <laughs> didn't want those nosy neighbors to see her inside of his car. What a ridiculous... <laughs> <laughs> I'm really depressed. Can you come with me to my mom's house at gunpoint and talk with me about uh. it? I don't know. Was this the guy from The Sixth Sense? Remember him in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the Wahlbergs. He's yeah. one of the Wahlbergs. Donnie, right? I think so. After arguing with Ed a bit, she finally agreed to get into the trunk. As she was getting into the trunk, Ed pulled out the twenty-two and shot her right into the head. Uh, it appears Cindy died almost instantly. So once again, he wrapped her body in a blanket and placed her body into his trunk and headed for his mother's house. When he arrived at his mom's house, he noticed that he had blood splattered all over his brand new cast, uh. so he had to use white shoe polish to hide it. Who the <laughs> fuck has white shoe polish? Does Apparently that even he exist? does. Apparently he does. I Jeez. don't know. He said his Is white he just shoe rocking polish. like bright white loafers all the time? <laughs> yeah, like know. white that's tuxedo shoes. Is <laughs> what he said he used. It, maybe he got that confused with like white out. I don't know. Yeah, white shoe. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows with this fucking guy? Anyway, uh, then he carried the body into the house and placed it into his closet. No sooner than he had done that, his mother had just arrived home. So, he talked with her for a while before deciding uh, to finally go to bed. The following morning, no sooner had she left for work, he removed Cindy's body from his closet and proceeded to perform sexual acts on her now dead body. Now, some reports say he kept her body for a few days, or some say he may have dismembered her body. We don't really know. So, uh, either way... He 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 might have cut her up. He might have left her whole. I don't know. It's not that big of a deal, but uh, we it's, don't really know what he did with her body at this point. It's He's not like Dennis Nilsson, who would hold on to him forever, you know? Only he, the heads. Yeah. Only the heads. The body, yeah. he, he usually, he would usually have sex with the body right. after the murder and then keep just the head. Part the rest of, the of it out. Right. Yeah. So that's basically what he did at this point. Um... But either way, he disposed of the body the same way as before by throwing pieces of her body into ravines and some off random cliffs. <laughs> but this time, with her head, he would bury it in his mother's backyard. This is the first one? The fir first and only. Oh, I it's thought the, he had like four of them out there. It's the only one. See, okay. see what you heard might have been him adding to the sensationalism of his story. I think he so. This is literally the only one. All right. Uh, now, Ed said he made sure her head was facing his bedroom. Ed said, I talked to it. I said affectionate things like you would say to a girlfriend or a wife. Now, this is an interesting uh, point where he changes the story. 
Later, he says he put he put the head facing his mother's window. And that's what I've heard. Yep, because uh, he's like, she always wants people to look up to her, and now she has this to look up to her, whatever. Yeah. So. so it's, again, contradictions of the story. Which one sounds more, I don't know, believable? I don't really know. <laughs> and that's the problem with cases like this is you don't know because the guy's a lunatic, a mm. killing lunatic. So... We- it all sounds fucking absurd. I, I personally, I feel like he probably would have buried her head in the backyard because he really wanted to like, I feel like if he's performed necroph- necrophilia, he really wants to hold on to them. You yeah. know what I mean? He uh-huh. wants to control them. So uh-huh. if he has her head in his backyard, that's ha- him having a piece of her. And yeah. obviously he kept trophies too, which is them. Yeah, it has keeping... to be selfish. It has to right. be for him. Yeah. It, right. It's not for his mom. No. Either way, the final thing Ed needed to do was to get rid of Cindy's clothing, so he took it to a deserted laundromat, inserted four dimes, and turned it on full hot. Ed said, I figured it would melt certain parts of the plastic, and the owner would come in. He's a little old black guy, and he'd get pissed and throw it in the garbage. (laughs) Do you ever notice, he, he starts a sentence, stops, Adds a little detail and then finishes the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough to read. Uh, And believe it or not, played out exactly like Ed wanted it to. Apparently he was watching this guy go in there, start stomping on it like Yosemite Sam and fucking throwing the clothes away. God (laughs) damn. Now, just a month after his last murder on February 5th, 1973, Ed and his mother once again got into a heated argument. Ed said, My mother and I had a real tiff. I told her I was going to a movie, and I jumped up and went straight to the campus because it was still early. I said, The first girl that's halfway decent that I pick up, I'm going to blow her brains out. Oof. Now, the warnings about not riding with anybody without the college sticker was still on everyone's minds, and Ed was worried himself about a guard noticing his car with... The Mickey Mouse type taillight <laughs> wired on it, which is extremely noticeable and easy to remember. Also, the fucking right side of his car smashed in as well. Oh, yeah. And it sticks out yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> but when Ed entered the college campus, the guard simply just waved him by after taking notice of that all important parking sticker. Ed then came upon 23 year old Rosalind Thorpe around 8 p.m., who was just exiting her evening class ed said well she's not too bad looking so i stopped and she hesitated she was probably 20 yards behind the car and looked to the rear and she saw the wrecked up car up there and hesitated for a moment i'm sure that she saw the a tag and ran right along and hopped in okay i guess mystery solved he has an a tag all right which I guess must be a the best asshole. one. That has to be like the top like tier administration. It's like the god tier of tags. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finally winning at something in life. <laughs> oh. Ugh. Ed claimed after she was in the car, Rosalind carried on the conversation, and he claims that he wasn't sure if he was actually going to kill her or not. But all of a sudden. Those pesky zapples struck struck him once again, and that oh-so-familiar feeling took over his body. (sighs) Now, as they continued to travel down the road, chatting away, Ed took notice of another girl looking to possibly hitch a ride. This was 21-year-old Allison Liu, 
and she decided to hop right in, possibly seeing Rosalind already in the car made her feel safer. No question about it. But Ed later said that the girls most certainly did not know each other, which to him was a good thing. Yeah. Either way, the three made their way out of the campus grounds with the guards not even really paying attention to his car in the least bit. So Ed began to take the girls down a new road off of the campus that eventually came to an area where you could see the city lights in the distance. Very pretty, right? romantic. So Ed claimed he wanted to slow down and get a better look at the beautiful view, obviously making sure to ask his passengers uh, if they minded, which they didn't, as they were basically just coasting along here. He doesn't even have his foot on the fucking gas pedal. Keep that in mind. All right. Um, He subtly pulled out a black pistol, presumably was the twenty-two from around his legs. No, Ed claims that it was so dark, it made it almost impossible for the girls to see. Ed then quickly aimed the gun at Rosalind's head. She had just enough time to take notice of the gun before Ed fired, striking her right above her left ear. She slammed against the driver's window and was dead instantly. Alice now in the back seat, was covering her face with her hands and ducked into the back corner that was Kitty Corner from Ed. Without even touching the brakes and just allowing the car to just coast, Ed turned around and aimed the gun at Alice. The first shot went through her hands and missed her completely. The second shot just grazed her head, also having just went through her hands, which also caused the bullet to ricochet within the vehicle, but didn't seem to hit anybody. The third shot finally struck her right around the temple area, which caused her to lose consciousness, but she was not dead quite yet. Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah. Now, after this, Ed covered Rosalind with a blanket and threw his coat over the still-not-dead Alice in the back seat. As he continued to travel down the road, making his way out of the populated areas, he mentions passing two more guards that stood within 20 feet of the car, but they didn't even look over in his direction, which whether or not they could have heard it, Ed claims Alice was still making a moaning, sighing sound in the back seat, kind of like a death rattle noise. That's how he explained it. Now... Here's a point where we have a contradicting story again. In the book, he says he just passed by the guards. Later on, he claims after he shot the girls, the guards came up and inspected his car, but yep. didn't notice the body sitting in there. I, I know that the first yeah. one's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, oh, I tricked the guards, man. They didn't even see him. No. He's fucking, no. he's fucking idiot. He's such an embellishing Oh, God. Yeah. I hate that I'm mad that he embellishes because he's a fucking killer. (laughs) It's it's funny because before we started this, I didn't really realize he did it to this level. Yeah. And now that I've really looked into it, I'm like, Jesus, he's made up a lot of shit. I mean, Mindhunter makes him look like a bullshitter, like a class A bullshitter, but not this much, not like this much of a liar. You know what the problem with Mindhunter is? John Douglas is a fucking bullshitter, too. He's a, he's a, what are they called? I was about to say necrophiliac, but (laughs) narcissist. (laughs) He might be. We don't know. Maybe that's why he connected with him The best cover. (laughs) Ed said this after the event. 
I was making sure that I broke absolutely no rules and was doing my damnedest to look cool while I was freaking out about Alice in the back seat there, which I am sure she was unconscious. At first, I didn't think so, and I made a couple of loud statements, and it just continued right on through, so I knew she was unconscious. But the blood started running and started gurgling, and the sighing was still there. So as soon as I got out to the edge of town, I stepped on the gas and got the hell away from there, and a little further down the road where no cars were coming, I slowed down very slow, turned her head around to the side, and fired point blank at the side of her head. Yeah. Oof. I feel like speeding while you have two dead bodies in your car, probably not the best idea. But apparently in the 70s, they don't pull you over. <sighs> if you got if you were pulled over drunk, they'd just tell you, hey, why don't you go home and sleep at all? Yeah, we'll follow you so you don't yeah. get in a wreck. Yeah. God. Yeah. He probably could have told the cops at this point he was a mortician traveling or transporting bodies, and they probably would have went. I'm with the science. I'm with Berkeley's morgue college. <laughs> we just can't afford a hearse right now. I gotta <laughs> yeah. take him in my own car. That's Budget all cuts, man. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they're leaking all over the place. It's awful. I'm having a bad day. Just let gotta, me go, off. I gotta get these girls on ice pronto, officer. Can you let me go? Mm. <laughs> After this, Ed traveled to a desolate cul-de-sac and proceeded to place the bodies into the trunk. Mind you, Ed still had the cast on his arm and mentioned again how difficult it was to carry the bodies, particularly Rosalind, because she was a larger girl. Was she? She was a little bigger. She wasn't... Uh, usually, he, he kills the petite ones. She was a little bigger girl, okay. so... I just want to know how long he's going to have this goddamn cast on. It's been like four months now. Maybe this is the cause of all of his he probably keeps He probably keeps re-injuring his arm, and then they have to oh, keep changing it. Yeah. Dumb shit. Like, oh, it's healed. I can go on my motorcycle again. <laughs> Either way, with them in his trunk, he headed to a fast gas station. I don't know if they're still around or not. Ed said, There was a Chinese girl pumping gas. I went into the restroom and cleaned off as much of the blood on the cast as I could, and I cleaned a little off my pants. To myself, I called them my murder clothes because it was those dark pants. They were dark blue denim, western-style pants with very light, not-quite-white markings, but they were very dark. That was in case I got them splattered. I used them on the first two girls. I think I used them when Iko and Cynthia were killed. I'm not sure. But in the vast majority of the cases, I use those pants and shirt. Mm, he's proud of them western denims <laughs> that are lightly faded. <laughs> With very light, not quite white markings. Jordan, do hipsters wear these pants nowadays? Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> So, Ed claims that he continued to talk with the Chinese lady for a while, trying to act nonchalant, before finally driving to his mother's home. I'm surprised he speaks Mandarin. It's really, <laughs> That's it's really impressive. He's, he's professional at it. <laughs> it's weird that he's scared of women, but he's sitting here after he committed a murder, and he's just, like, talking with a lady like it's n n there's no Well, tomorrow. he's probably right in... Like a high of some sort. And Filled to the like, brim with confidence. Exactly. Good. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Adrenaline pumping and all that. Now, at raging, his... Raging boner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, now that he's at his mother's house, he told her he was upset because he had fallen asleep during the movie. Ed told her, How do you like that? You go and pay all that money and then fall asleep. <laughs> 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 what a dumb shit. <laughs> 
He then told her he was going to go the following night to try to finish the film uh, to give himself an alibi. Sure. And then took notice that he needed cigarettes and he left the house again. But before he had even pulled his car out of the driveway, he decided to take his knife and Mm. remove both of the girls' heads right there in the driveway. Mm. He then went to the nearby bar and purchased his cigarettes. Jordan, have you ever been in this predicament? What, buying cigarettes at a bar? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're just like, you get home, you're like, fuck, I need cigarettes. And well, get no, right not that. <laughs> I, I mean, all the time. I think in the 70s, you could buy cigarettes basically anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. they had the vending machines. Mm. The bowling alley in Osceola had that, and it was running up until I was probably like 11 years old. I got knee surgery because we went to the bar to get cigarettes. <laughs> Me and Casey. No, I no. remember this story. No. That was quite a quite a conundrum you two boys got into here. Now, another interesting thing to note, that if his mother would have literally just stood up and looked out the window directly in front of her, she would have caught him decapitating the girls <laughs> in her driveway. Oh. But because her TV was so loud, she wouldn't have even been able to hear if his car would have started or not. I thought she was at work. No, he. Can't. this is late at night. He wanted her. I, th- I think he wanted her he to wanted see. He wanted her to see him? Dude. I mean, makes sense, right? The following morning when his mother went to work, he carried the heads into the house and just Alice's body into the house. He removed the bullets from the heads and then proceeded to have intercourse with Alice's headless body and I would assume the heads as well then washed off Alice's body to conceal any signs of necrophilia. Mm. Now, according to Ed, he heard the people in the upstairs apartment starting to have a party, but he just simply wrapped Alice's body in a blanket and carried it right to his trunk. Ed said, That's one thing that amazes me about society. That is, that you can do damn near anything and nobody's going to say anything or even notice. It's kind of true. I mean, everybody's wrapped up in their own thing. Yeah. You remember the part, you probably heard it before, where he claims to carry a head in a bag, and he passed, like, two other people coming down the hallways. I think that was him changing this story. Okay. I think that's what he was doing. But in the book, he says they were having a big shindig up there, and he was just transporting body parts. So she, they live in an apartment, then? Yep. Okay. Like like one of those, like, duplex apartment things. Gotcha. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Kind of yeah. like, I guess, a townhouse, kind of. still makes the decapitating in the driveway even <laughs> more ballsy. And the burying of the head in the yard. Yeah. yeah. If you have upstairs fucking neighbors. I, I think it was with uh, this one, too. I didn't write it in the notes here, but he, he claimed that the bu- blood had dripped from the car underneath, uh, and, you know, but it, the car was concealing it. So the next day when his mom left, he just backed up because it was sprinkling. And it washed the blood right mm, away. So, mm, mm. There's that. Now, he claimed... Uh, so, with the body still in the car, he drove over to Alameda to visit a female friend of his. Mm-hmm. Now, he claimed this woman was his alleged fiance, but they were just friends now. Okay. <laughs> so, he, he hung out with her for a while, but claimed he was in such a state of panic because of the bodies in his trunk she noticed he was acting weird. After he left, he went out for dinner, presumably alone, but claimed he was just unable to eat, and he went and saw another movie, 
refueled his car, and finally, around 2 a.m., made his way to Eden Canyon Road, located in Castro Valley. Mm. He then pulled over to a suitable dumping site, opened the trunk, and just threw the bodies over the edge of the road. He then drove all the way to San Francisco, then to a small town, the small town of Pacifica. Mm. From here, he went to a place called Devil's Slide and threw Sounds the fun. <laughs> and threw the heads and the hands over the cliff. I actually looked this up. This is still there. Is- There's a Devil's Slide oh. in California. You can still go there. Okay. And is you- it like a big hill? I don't know. I just looked on Google Maps. It's literally like way the fuck in the middle of nowhere. So okay. I don't know how. Is there he an knows? actual slide? Uh I'm gonna guess probably not. Only for the devil. <laughs> oh. But if it's just a giant oil up slip and slide, it's just there year round. Help yourself. <laughs> hey, I watched a thing about boats. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like this. About big boats, and uh, in order to get them into the water. They have to, like, put them on these rails and, like, throw them sideways down yeah. into the water. And they just use, like, a billion bananas as lubricant. Really? Like, they just, they just stack them on the rails and then they squish and they make it go down better. <laughs> but sometimes it's not enough and it tips and then your whole boat falls Ooh. right to the bottom of the goddamn when, water. When, it, when I was cover, uh, I covered the Titanic on Subliminal Deception, my um, other podcast, and they use soap. Like, a whole mm. bunch of soap mm-hmm. to, like coast the frame of it into the water. It's kind of awesome. interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I I like watching the videos of, like, new ships getting put in. It's just like, that's a big-ass wave that's coming. There's, like, people standing right next to it. It's like, I don't know if I'd want to be that close. <laughs> that shit looks so violent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, after about two weeks, he grew paranoid and returned at 4 a.m. 4 a. to check on the heads but he couldn't see them, and he figured everything was okay, and he just took off. Mm, smart. But after he had initially disposed of the girls' bodies, Ed proceeded to head to the Kaiser Hospital to get his cast changed. Uh, well, it's covered in blood. I guess. Yeah. Did they not think that anything was funny about that? Hopefully. Like, why do you have white shoe polish all over <laughs> your cast, sir? I, I don't know. Now... Uh, I'm going to tell the story quick of another infamous thing you guys have probably heard. A Sergeant Michael Alufi uh, had heard that Ed had tried to purchase a, in the book it says it's a 44, later he says it's a 45. I don't know which one it is. Um, Basically, Ed had lied about his criminal history on his record, so Sergeant Michael Alufi went to where Ed lived to confiscate the gun. Have you heard this story before? Mm, no. Okay, so basically the story goes is they were looking for Ed Kemper, um, and they were looking at the wrong apartment building. Well, they noticed someone sitting in his car working on his radio. They went up to him and said, do you know where Ed Kemper is? All of a sudden, this ginormous man stood up and said, I'm Ed Kemper. <laughs> and then they, they're like, uh, did you purchase? Or he's like, we're here to confiscate the gun you purchased or whatever. Now, later on, Ed claimed. OK, let me say the book first claims that Ed said it was in the house initially. But then he told him it was in the trunk. All right. But later on, he said he didn't know which gun they were talking about because he had the 22 under the seat that he had killed the girls with. Right. But he also had the 45 in his trunk. So he told him it's quite a quite a big or it's quite a small gun, isn't it? And then Alufi said, "A forty-five? That's a pretty big one." He's like, and "Then he knew 
they were asking about the 45, not the 22. Jesus. So then he's like, okay, let me get it out of the trunk. Uh, Ed was going to grab it, and the sergeant's like, no, we'll get it. Guy took it out of there for him, confiscated the gun, gave him, like, a fucking receipt for it, and that was it. Like, gave gave him, like... Like a receipt for the gun. It's going to evidence. Yeah, yeah. or some, some shit like that. But, yeah, uh... Sergeant Aloofy is going to become important later because Ugh. he's the one who kind of interviews Ed with his later confessions. So, oh, like when know. he calls him later? Yep. Okay. Yep. So uh, he could have gotten busted at this point, but they just took his gun and went off. Well, if you're not mm. looking for him as the co-ed mm. killer, how are you going to actually know? You know? You know what the other weird thing is? Is they said he had a little blonde girl with him. Not what? Like, like a... A blonde teenage girl. We Was don't that know his who this is. Fiance. It might have been. We don't know who the hell this is. There's just a girl there. Don't know who it is. Well, if mm. she was just chilling, then <clears throat> she's hanging out with Ed, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, now after these last two murders, it was time for Ed to finally do what he had probably wanted to do all along: kill his mother. Woo! If he would have just done that, it would have saved a lot of people's lives. Yes, probably. The story goes that on April 20th, 1973, Clarnell had just returned home from a party and the noise had awoken Ed. Clarnell was just sitting in her room reading a book and enjoying a beer, as you do, when Ed entered the doorway. Clarnell said, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. Ed simply replied, No. Good night. This was the event that finally caused him to snap, Ed said. I just laid there in bed thinking about it, and it's something hard to just up and do. It was the most insane of reasons for going and killing your mother, but I was pretty fixed on that issue, because there were a lot of things involved. Someone just standing off to the side watching isn't really going to see any kind of sense or rhyme or reason. I had done some things, and I felt that I had to carry the full weight of everything that happened. I certainly wanted for my mother a nice, quiet, easy death, like I guess everyone wants. Uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, I want my mother to die in peace, but I don't want me to kill her. Yeah, in pieces. (laughs) So he decided to wait until 5.15 a.m. before going through with his plans, Ed said. I went into the kitchen and got a hammer. We have a regular claw hammer at home. I picked up my pocket knife, the same one I had used to kill Mary Ann, opened it up, and I carried that in my right hand and the hammer in my left. I walked into her bedroom very quietly. She had been sound asleep. She moved around a little bit, and I thought maybe she was waking up. I just waited and waited, and she was just laying there. Now, <clears throat> I want to I wanna clarify something here. Before I started listening to true crime stuff, I, I didn't know there was a difference between a claw hammer and other hammers. Well, there's well, ball peens, there's tack hammers. But that's the thing. Like, growing up, my dad, when he needed a hammer, he just said a hammer, which was a claw hammer. Right. I just thought that was just a regular well, hammer. There, there's right. even different kinds of claws. There's I'm ripped saying, claws. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know. Straight claws, curved claws. <laughs> Okay, apparently if you need advice on buying a hammer, message Jordan it's, here. To, it's the main tool I use at work. <laughs> Talk to Bubba Jordan over here. You got your claw, 
<laughs> shampoo. He's like he's like. There's uh, a California claw. <laughs> he's like Bubba from Forrest Gump, but uh, but hammers. Damn That's right, boy. Damn right. Oh, did you? Oh my Anyway, after this, he raised the hammer and struck her right above the temple on the right side of her head. Ed, Ed claims she wasn't dead at this point, but also she wasn't moving either. So he rolled her onto her back, took out his knife, and slit her throat, but it didn't stop there. He continued to cut until he had fully removed her head. With a pocket knife? It was some knife. It might have been the general, or I don't know. He has a lot of knives. He said pocket knife, and he unfolded it, so that means okay. it's a smallie. Hey, they have some pretty big pocket knives. That's true, that's they true. They have some pretty big ones. Uh, he then placed his handcuffs on her wrist and placed her body into the closet. After this, Ed claims to have humiliated his mother's corpse, which the common belief is he had sexual intercourse with her head, he then placed her head on the mantle and threw darts at it and proceeded to yell and scold Clarnell's head for over an hour. Listen, at least he didn't have any issues with her at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would say. <laughs> yeah. Stable relationship, just something happened. No problem. <laughs> uh, to top it off, he threw her vocal cords into the garbage disposal, ground them up, but as we know, they won't grind up in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't they won't even grind up most things, so I don't know about vocal cords. They're so. pretty shit and they <laughs> yeah. stink. Like oh, I yeah. I've never understood wanting one. The the old one we had here before we replaced it, when we pulled that bitch out of there, oh, oh terrible smell. Oh. Terrible smell. God. After this, Ed claims to have became physically ill over what he had just done to his mother. So he decided uh he just needed to get out of the house. Just need some air. I just gotta think this over. I I I, I think anybody would. Uh, <laughs> so he drove around town looking for a hardware store to purchase a hacksaw blade. Now you'd think he would be purchasing this to dissect a body, but he actually seemed to want to saw off the barrel of his carbine and make a semi semi-automatic weapon. Hmm. Random thing to do, I guess. While driving around, he came upon a man who owed him $10 named Robert <laughs> McFadson. I think I said McFadson. Mm-hmm. I had said, I pulled up behind. I pulled up behind and gave him up and down beams. He didn't immediately recognize my car until I hit the light because I didn't have my whip antenna on the car. <laughs> Either way, the two decided to go off to breakfast together And Ed told Robert, let's go get drunk. (laughs) So they decided to head uh, for the liquor store to cash the check and give Ed his $10. Nice. Ed said. And there he offered me the $10, which to tell you the truth, saved his life. Because with his little excuses, I needed to kill somebody at that point. You just did. And I think he deserved it more than anybody. He offered me the $10 without having to mention it, so I just took five of it and figured we'd drink on the other five. Jesus, how much can you drink off $5? 1972. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, a shot of whiskey is probably, what, 20 cents? On Vulgar Display (laughs) of Power, which is the Pantera tour documentary, they go in a liquor store and you can get a case of beer for $1.99. And that's in, like, 93. So Holy shit. Okay, all right. That's also the... Almost the uh, motto for Pantera bread. 
It's just a vulgar display of flour. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Take that out. It was awful. No, leave it in. (laughs) Double it. Now, after quite a few drinks, Ed and Robert went to Gray's Gun Shop because Ed wanted to either purchase or rent a new firearm. But shockingly, this time, he was just flat out denied (laughs) because of his license restrictions. So, (laughs) So the two men parted ways and Ed returned home. Now, obviously, after killing his mother, he knew that if she was missing from the family's Easter Sunday celebrations, they would know something was wrong, Ed said. I decided that someone else had to die, too. A friend of hers, as a cover-up, an excuse, something that would be believable by other people and friends and possible family that might get in touch. So I started thinking about who would be a victim, and who would be most available, who would be easiest to kill... Who would be likely to be gone with my mother for the weekend? I fell upon a friend of hers, Sarah or Sally Hallett, who had frequently gone places with my mother and done things on the weekends. Now, I just want to say, so he's trying to kill her before Easter Sunday comes up. Right. This episode comes out. Yep. Exactly. We didn't mean that to happen. I swear to God, we didn't mean that to happen. It just is going to happen. I'm telling you, episode Mm -hmm. 100 is a magical, magical time. I guess it so. really is. Episode 100 through 103. And remember when I stupidly put 102 <laughs> on Instagram? I have no idea why I did that. I, just... I think it was because part two. It could Episode have been. 101, Edmund Kemper, part two. I, I, I'll have to post it again. So yeah, fuck there it. We go. <laughs> okay, next week we'll be on episode 112 or something like that. We don't know. We don't... Our number's even real. We don't like them. So. Yeah, we don't like them. Um, interesting thing is... Sally was not Ed's first choice. He -hmm. actually was going to kill one of her other friends, but she had too many uh, kids or something, and they might notice she's missing. Okay. Sally was actually his backup plan. Interesting. Well, sometimes plan B is what needs to happen. So at first, Ed called Sally, but she didn't answer, which caused Ed to believe possibly she was out of town for the weekend. So he just sat around drinking more and more beer, He then moved his mother's car to a location that nobody would go look for it and then sat around drinking more beer. Ironically, Sally actually ended up calling the house around 5.30 p.m. asking to speak to Clarnell. Oh, just like separately. Yeah. She wanted to talk to her anyway. Yeah, it's, I don't know, bad coincidence, I guess. That's bad timing. Uh, he claimed that his mother had went to work because she had just received a raise, but Sally should come over for dinner and a movie, which would be a little su- surprise for Clarnell. Mm-hmm. Sally agreed to come over around 7.30 p.m., so Ed made sure to shut all the blinds, curtains, and doors within the home. He made sure he was prepared with a strong nylon rope cord, a drill shank, a broken piece of equipment to use as a bludgeon, and also his carbine. So he's got weapons everywhere. Yeah. Now, Sally showed up late around 8 p.m. Yeah. When she entered, she was asking when Clarnell was going to be home. Ed told her he was sure it wouldn't be too much longer. So Ed and Sally talked for a while. Ed claims he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. And according to him, Sally told him, Let's sit down. I'm dead. <laughs> Which, according to Ed, instantly snapped Mm. in his head this was a sign, according to him. So he punched her right in the stomach because he believed if he could knock the wind out of her, 
she wouldn't be able to scream. Mm. He then punched her in the stomach for a second time, which caused her to fall to the ground. He then put her in a sleeper hold and continued to choke her until her legs quit moving. Actually, in the process of doing this, he had actually crushed her larynx, which caused her to be unable to breathe anyway, but he still placed a bag over her head and strangled her with a rope, which didn't work at first, so he used Aiko-Ku's scarf, which actually allowed him to completely suffocate her. Mm. I I wonder if that did anything for him. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, hold on. I'm going to tell you about that in just a second, All what right. it did for him. <sighs> Actually, he wouldn't learn that he crushed your larynx. Larynx? Until larynx? He, larynx? Is that larynx. what it is? Larynx. Larynx. <laughs> okay. Uh, until he cut off her head. Oh, okay. So, then he found the broken bones. Somewhere. Gotcha. After this, he undressed her and placed her naked body into his bed, then decided he was a bit thirsty. So he took Sally's car down to the jury room, had a few beers, and stayed for about an hour before returning home. Once back home, he cut the head off of Sally and apparently attempted to have intercourse with her body, but I'm pretty sure he did. Mm. Or he couldn't get it up. One or the other, I don't know. He's been drinking all day. (laughs) Then he decided uh, he had had a long day and he needed to get some sleep, so he slept in his mother's bed that he had killed her in. Mm. Now, an interesting thing of note is that Ed mentioned that the murder of Sally was the only victim where he had ejaculated in his pants, or at least the only time he had noticed. Very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. He he may have with his other victims, but this is the only one who he noticed jizz in his pants, which we know serial killers is pretty common, yes. right? Also, apparently after the slang of these two women, the thought of murdering the entire neighborhood crossed his mind, but obviously that would be almost fucking impossible. Go big or go home, Ed. Michael Myers. Uh, is he the edgiest boy you've ever heard I of? I think yet? so. <laughs> I think he's the edgiest edgelord of all. <laughs> so instead, he dressed in his usual murderer outfit, which included dress boots, blue denim bell bottoms, Woo! a white shirt, and his brown buckskin jacket, loaded up Sally's car with all of his firearms and hit the road, figuring sooner or later they were going to figure out what had happened. Around 10 a.m. Eastern morning, he headed to Sacramento, refueled, then headed to Reno, Nevada. Apparently, in Reno, Ed had even went to the University of Nevada, but didn't pick up any anybody or anything like that. Was he doing it, like, to like, possibly? Like, that might have been his idea in his head. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Could have been just him adding shit to the story. I don't yeah. know. Uh, he then rented a Hertz car and transferred his guns into it because he figured they had to be looking for Sally's car at this point, <laughs> which obviously, you know, the police had no fucking idea. <laughs> no. Uh, but Ed basically dumped Sally's car at a repair shop and headed out of Reno. Now, Ed claimed that the entire time he had been popping countless amounts of no-dos. All right. That's his extreme drug here. That shit no-dos. sucks. <laughs> that shit makes your your skin tingle for 15 minutes, and then you feel like you're going to die. Mm. On his way uh, to Colorado, he actually was pulled over by a highway patrolman for speeding. Mm-hmm. Mind you, 
with his firearms literally in the backseat just underneath a blanket. The officer gave him two options. Pay the $25 fine or appear in court. Yeah. Which he obviously decided to just pay the fine. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Ed continued driving while popping no-dos, sometimes up to three pills in 30 minutes. Finally, Ed reached the tiny town of Holly, Colorado. Ed said, It was very late at night. I was exhausted. I was past exhaustion. I was just running on pure adrenaline. And no-dos, but that's for me. (laughs) My body was quivering at times, and my mind was slowly just beginning to unravel. I felt I was losing control, and I was afraid that anything could cause me to go off the deep end. I didn't know what would happen then. I had never been out of control in my life. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Now, well, to me at this point, it seems like he's in a type of psychosis kind of, right? (sighs) He's in like like a nervous mental breakdown. His mind is just fucking whack. Mm -hmm. He knew, or at least claimed he knew, that he needed to stop. The killings needed to stop. He had finally done what he had wanted to do all along with killing his mother, Edson. I finally had a thought. I was trying to think, wow, I have got to stop this because it is getting so far out of hand. I'm not going to be responsible for what happens any further. It is just going to happen, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't like that idea. So I came upon the idea of calling Lieutenant Charles Scherer at the Santa Cruz Police Department, long distance, knowing I couldn't wait until morning. I just wanted to say where I was and see what I could arrange as far as a surrender. And if it was not satisfactory, then I would continue on. <laughs> Jesus. So Ed decided it was finally time to turn himself in. Now, it was around 11 p.m. on April 23rd when Ed had placed a call to the Santa Cruz Police Department via telephone booth. Now, an officer, Andrew Crane, answered, and this is the conversation that followed. Officer Crane, go ahead, sir. Lieutenant Scherer is not there, is he? He's been looking for me. Who's this? I'm not going to tell you. This is no prank. He's looking for me, and I want to talk to him. (laughs) I'll have to tell him who's calling. Now, keep in mind that Lieutenant Scherer was off-duty at this moment. Tell him it's about something he wants to straighten out. Will you do that for me, please? This is no bullshit. (laughs) I got to talk to him right now. I'm going to call you back in a half hour or an hour or so. Have him down there. Now, Ed was murmuring something that Crane couldn't quite make out. Now, what was that phrase you stated? Co-eds. You know what I mean? Get him down there and I'll call back. And I want to talk to him. Is there a number where Lieutenant Scherer could call you back? No. I'm not going to play any (laughs) games. I want to talk to him and I want him to do something. You can't leave me any kind of name? No! (laughs) Unless I have something to go on, I can't wake up the lieutenant. Tell him it's not a prank. I'm not shitting you, okay? (laughs) Do you have anything to base it on? Yeah, Andy. Ed Kemper. He's looking for me. I'm about two inches right now from doing a whole bunch of things. There's not really anything anybody can do about it unless I do something about it. You know? I want to talk to him. Okay. You're going to call back then? Oh, shit. What time is it there? (laughs) 11.34 right now. Yeah, it's 12.34 here, and that's part of the problem. I'll call back in. I hate to. How far from the station is he? A half a mile? A mile? Okay. 11.36 now. Yeah, it'll be roughly... I didn't want to tell you my name, really, Andy. This shit's got to stop quick. (laughs) Okay, I'll notify him. Okay. 
Thank you. <laughs> now, after this, Ed called back around 1 a.m. an officer, Glenn S. Torimi? Torami? Toriumi. Toriumi answered this time. Someone asked for Lieutenant Shearer again. Officer Toriumi said, Lieutenant Shearer is not here. <laughs> he will not be here until 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. He's on a trip tonight. Can I talk to him? I can't accept the uh, collect calls. If you wish to contact Lieutenant Shearer, like I stated, he will be in tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sir, I have an emergency <laughs> line going. <laughs> Then Toriyami just hung up the phone. So this time, Ed calls back at 5 a.m. The person who picked up said, Officer Brown speaking. (laughs) Lieutenant Shearer is not on duty at this time. What did you want to talk to him about last night? Co-ed killing. (laughs) What? Co-ed killing. The co-ed killing? Killing, you know. Yeah, where did you say you are? Pueblo, Colorado. I want the police over here. What's the address? Is it a home address? No, I'm saying I lived in Aptos. Are you in Aptos now? No, I'm in Colorado. (laughs) What's your name? Ed Kemper. Where are you exactly, Ed? I've been driving for three days steady. I have almost a nervous breakdown right now. All right, just tell me where you are and we'll have someone come and pick you up. Yeah, that's what I want. I'll be at 21st Street and Norwood Avenue in Pueblo. I'm driving a car I rented in (laughs) Reno. It's a 73 Chevy, green, solid green Impala. So, uh, the officer then asked Ed for his license plate. It's WBM 397. Okay, thanks, Ed. Yeah, well, when I wanted to talk to Shara about, there was eight people involved. There's eight people involved? Not in what happened. There's eight people dead. Hey, Ed, while we're talking to you... We're going to have somebody come over. Yeah, I wish to shit you would, really. Because I have over 200 rounds of ammo in the trunk and three guns. I don't ever want to go near it. Uh, So, apparently it's very hard to turn yourself in in 1973. They just hang up on you and and slow roll you. Hey, I killed a bunch of people. Uh, Here's my name. Here's where I'm at. Well, I got an emergency here. What what are you calling about again? God damn. No, that one guy was like, this slides for emergency calls. (laughs) Oh, God. This is an emergency call. Oh, God. Anyway, finally, the police arrived on the scene and quickly (laughs) took notice of Ed's size because he was he literally had his hands drooped over the top of the payphone box. God damn. That's a big boy. Once Ed was in custody, he confessed to literally everything. Now, what Ed found the most surprising was that nobody was actively looking for him. Oh, you big dumb fuck. (laughs) He was certain they would have discovered the bodies of his mother and Sally, but the police didn't even have the slightest clue. Yeah. But obviously, with Ed's confession... The hard-to-get-a-hold-of-Lieutenant Shearer would be the one to head to the home of Clarnell and quickly discover the grisly scene that had transpired within. He's finally back on, uh, he's finally back on duty? He's like, okay, I guess I can look into this serial killer thing. Uh, he also found Ed's collection of trophies that he had kept, uh, kept from all of his victims, 
This was about as guilty as you can get. Yeah. Now in custody, Ed waived his extradition rights and was quickly shipped back to Santa Cruz to stay in trial. Now keep in mind, Ed had not only went into full confession while in custody in Colorado, but also a second time when he was back in California with Sergeant Michael Alufi. Okay. So he confessed to the shit fucking twice. In two jurisdictions. Correct. So as you could imagine, his public defender named James Jackson was going to have quite an uphill battle. But ironically, James Jackson had already defended three other mass murderers, including the serial killer who seems to share some parallels with Ed Kemper, Herbert Mullins. Fucking Herbert. This James Jackson has done three mass murders and he's still a public defender? Right. No defense (laughs) firm has picked him up yet? Think about the coincidences here. Ed Kemper and Herbert Mullins were murdering in the same area. Uh, Herbert Mullins and Ed Kemper had the same defense attorney. And as we're about to find out, Herbert Mullins and... (laughs) Yes. Neighbors. (laughs) Yes. Fuck. Uh, Another wild thing was that when Ed was in custody in California, his cell, like we said, was right next to Herbert Mullins, and Ed didn't seem to be a big fan of him. Mm. Ed said this about Herbert. Well, what am I, a cowboy? (laughs) Well, he had a habit of singing and bothering people (laughs) when somebody tried to watch TV, so I threw water on him to shut him up. (laughs) Then when he was a good boy, I'd give him some peanuts. Herbie liked peanuts. That was effective, because pretty soon he asked permission to sing. That's called behavior modification treatment. <laughs> I love serial killers, like, treating each other like shit. It's pretty funny. Obviously, we know Herbert's probably not nearly as smart as Ed is. Right. I, I just wish they would have made a sitcom out of this. Uh, Herbie uh, and Eddie. Watch, uh, they do say this whole thing in Mindhunter, so oh, just yes. watch Mindhunter. Yes. Now, while in custody, Ed would attempt suicide twice, including one time when he jammed a ballpoint pen Ugh. into his wrist into his wrist in an attempt to bleed to death. This might have been That's just, attention. Yeah, I was gonna say that might have been all that is. Another interesting thing of note, which will not come as a big shock, but apparently the courtroom was crowded by young women, aka serial killer groupies, yeah. ironic for somebody who was so terrified of young girls he killed them. Yeah. I don't get it. It's something I never get. No. He killed young women, and young women are, like, awing at him what in the, the trial. It's, it's, uh, it's weird. I don't know. Ramirez, too. I never, I don't understand it. And he had stinky breath. Ugh. And he was a <laughs> gross-looking dude. Yeah, he was. Now, this trial was in- interesting simply for the fact of them trying to decide whether Ed Kemper was, in fact, insane or not. Now, it is especially perplexing because when he was younger, he was found to be insane for the murders of his grandparents. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, it didn't seem like they were going to believe that he was still schizophrenic or had ever actually been schizophrenic. They don't really offer you the same amount of uh, excuses and no, leniency as they do yeah. for kids. Absolutely not. Kids yep. are treated I guess there's an expression, treat him with kid gloves, so yeah. (laughs) It also shined a light onto the failings of the Atascadero State Hospital, who had deemed Ed sane and safe for release initially. With fucking, with fucking stipulations. Yeah. Don't let him near his mom. Those, ah. 
I can't really blame the state hospital. I think no. they did more than most state hospitals ever would. Like we said, um, it was more the fault of the California Youth Authority, yeah. the halfway house, yep. and the parole board yep. who didn't pay attention to him at all. So, No, I, the state hospital, as far as I'm concerned, did their job. Right. Ironically, around the time of Ed's trial was during the Nixon presidency, which had decided to literally cut funding to mental hospitals, leading to the release <laughs> of a bunch of their prisoners, and mm -hmm. some of them ended up killing people. I think it was mm -hmm. like 75 people. So, it was, uh, there's a, the book talked a lot about Nixon and Reagan really just like completely defunding mental hospitals and... They didn't Ed, think it was real. No, or, yeah. it, it, it had bad results. Either way, Ed's trial lasted about three weeks and took the jury about five hours to reach their decision. The judge read the verdict, guilty, sane, and first degree to all eight counts, mm -hmm. which is about the least surprising thing of this entire <laughs> saga. Mm -hmm. Now, Ed had desired to receive the death penalty, in fact, believing he should be, quote, tortured to death. But the death penalty had just been abolished two months before his trial. Otherwise, he probably would have been. Sure. I'm kind of glad he's not. Uh, it did seem Ed was somewhat happy uh, he was locked up, although he wasn't happy about one thing. Ed said, You know, it really sticks in my craw that <laughs> Mullins only got two firsts and I got eight. He was just a cold-blooded killer running over a three-week period, killing everybody he saw for no good reason. I guess that's kind of hilarious, my sitting here so self-righteously talking like that, after what I've done. Uh, he he does not like Herbert Mullins at all. He doesn't like him. Huh. Ed uh, was then transferred to California Medical Facility in Vacaville, where he still currently resides to this day. He's still alive? He's still alive, yes. He didn't have a heart attack in prison? Nope. Uh, now, Ed has been eligible for parole 13 times since his conviction in 1973. His last parole hearing was in 2017. Interestingly, sometimes he tries for parole, sometimes he just waives it. His next hearing will be in 2024, but I highly, highly doubt he'll ever get out. I don't think he should. <laughs> no, I really no. don't think he should. No, absolutely not. In the late 70s is when John Douglas first started interviewing Ed Kemper to try to get a better understanding of serial killers. We've all seen the famous Netflix show. Except Jordan. You haven't watched Mindhunter? No. I hate you. But also, uh, the actual book Mindhunter is great read. Mm -hmm. While in prison, Ed, Ed has participated in a number of interviews, including a segment in the 1982 documentary, the Killing of America, <laughs> as well as an appearance in the 1984 documentary, Murder, No Apparent Motive. This Ooh. is this one here is the one you've probably all seen on YouTube. Yep. Uh, These yeah. are his most famous videos. Here. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's that's where I got my uh, uh, voice lessons from. Right. I'm pretty sure. This yeah. movie here, it's free on YouTube. It's kind of interesting, actually. So Ed remains among the general population in prison and is considered to be a model prisoner. Wow. He was in charge of scheduling other inmates' appointments with psychiatrists and was an accomplished craftsman of ceramic cups. Mm. Fuck yeah, Ed. <laughs> in 2015, Ed suffered a stroke and is now considered to be medically disabled. Oh. 
He received uh, his very first rules violation in 2016 for failing to supply a urine sample. I wonder what that's all about. I, I don't know. Maybe if he had a stroke and is disabled, I imagine it may be hard for him. I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, while Ed was in prison, he narrated over 5,000 hours of books for the blind. Truly, when I was very young, way back in the 50s, I believed all of life would be like one long and perfect summer day. After all, it did start out that way. There's not much I can say about our earliest childhood except that it was very good, and for that, I should be everlastingly grateful. We weren't rich, we weren't poor. If we lacked some necessity, I couldn't name it. If we had luxuries, I couldn't name those either without comparing what we had to what others had. He reads better than I do. nobody had more or less in our middle-class neighborhood. In other words... That is a selection from Ed Kemper reading Flowers in the Attic Mm. by Elisa Shavrina. Very nice. I mean, he does have an almost soothing voice when he reads. It's pleasant. I mean, you can tell he's very intelligent, you know, when he's reading and everything. He could have been an orator if he wasn't so... (laughs) cringy and incelly. Yeah. I mean, we have to give him a little credit. That's very nice to do this for the blind kids. So. Sure. But yeah. we can't forget all the other fucked up shit you did. But anyway, yeah, like we said, Ed's still alive. I'm. He's pretty fucking old. You can look up pictures of him right now. He looks very old. He's very he, fat. Is there evidence of the stroke on his face? Uh, he just kind of looks like an old man. I okay. don't know. And so he's just an old... Does he, he still have, look, like, the Mo Howard haircut? Or no? The uh, pudding mold? I think he's just got like a kind of bowl cut kind. He kind of uh, has like Jordan's haircut right uh, now. Uh, well, we're all in a state of disarray, <laughs> aren't we? I know. We got to wait another month for a haircut. Brutal. We're going to look pretty fucking haggard. I already do, and I hate it. <laughs> but anyway, guys, yeah, there it is. There's the full three parts of Ed Kemper. God damn. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you learned some new stuff about him and uh, whatever, I guess. That was fantastic, Cody. Thank you. Episodes very much. 100 to 103. Great. 102 oh, yeah. are just gorgeous. We, we've just reached gorgeous. the milestone. We've covered Ed. We broke 100 plus episodes. Mm. We're, never thought we'd be here. Never. No. But uh, if you thought we would be here, you should email us at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. We got that podbean. Oh, yeah. No, we don't. We got that Patreon. Patreon. Yes, yes. We have both, technically. I know. And why do I say the wrong one every time? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Because you're a bit of a bumblebutt. <laughs> oh. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can choose a thing of your... You can choose a level of your comfort. And just know that whatever level it is, we will love you for it. That's yes. right. Come get some shirts. We got a lot of them left. Also, text Cody about shirts. Not text. Please. Email. <laughs> Please do. I will, uh, now that I'm working uh, lesser hours, I can get to the post office without anybody being there. Right off so, the... Yeah, that's beautiful. I had to wait till like the middle of the day and go in there because I went try tried to go after work one day. There was literally people inside and then a huge line of people spread apart outside. I'm like, nah, nah, not doing it. I think we'll uh, wait on that one. Yes. Oh, gosh. that I'm so excited. Here's to another hundred, huh? Hell yeah, Woo! let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, shit, man. That's going to do it for all of us here at the Blah 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 Podcast. My name has been Adam. That's been Cody, General Buford Cody. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you, Sergeant Adam. And that has been General Longstreet Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. And as always, everybody, have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. In 2017, Ed Kemper shaved off his mustache. (laughs) No! He did? No! According to his mugshot. (laughs) 